0: Listener Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. Well, we're doing this week's podcast a little differently, so buckle up because it really is a fascinating one. Last week, MI3 and LinkedIn joined forces for a summit around business-to-business or B2B marketing, a hugely important and multi-billion-dollar part of the industry that's often overlooked because it's not seen as sexy as consumer marketing. But some of the fastest-growing and largest new brands in the world with massive market capitalizations are in fact B2B brands. Think Atlassian for an Australian example and ServiceNow globally. This will surprise many of you, no doubt, but ServiceNow, for instance, has a market cap of circa $90 billion that makes it bigger than Ford and Ferrari combined. And according to LinkedIn's global CEO, Ryan Roslansky, four B2B brands, Salesforce, Block, NVIDIA, and ServiceNow, are larger by market cap than Nike, Coca-Cola, Adidas, and General Motors all rolled up together. So you start to get the picture of just how large this B2B sector is. So hang around for the next 30 minutes as we hear from three CMOs with a B2B remit that joined me on the CMO couch as part of the MI3 LinkedIn B2B Next Summit that was held in Sydney last week. As it turned out, the B2B Next Summit proved hugely popular, and this week's podcast and abridged deep dive feature on mi3.com.au leads a full takeover of B2B content on MI3 for this week. It includes a provocative keynote from Professor Byron Sharp at the University of South Australia's Ehrenberg Bass Institute. It's the largest marketing science research facility in the world, and its home is right here in Australia. Today kicks off B2B Next with, as I mentioned, three blue chip executives on the CMO couch. Commonwealth Bank's new CMO, Joe Boundy, who joined four months ago from the same role at Qantas. Leandro Perez, VP of Marketing for Asia Pacific at Salesforce and Caroline Raj, CMO for ServiceNow Australia and New Zealand. So enjoy the ride and make sure you bring yourself up to speed on the rise and rise of the B2B marketing sector with MI3's B2B Next coverage all this week. Listen, this is a great session. I th- you know, the the brief is rather ambitious. Um, what's on a CMO's mind? I think we only want to know half of it, really. We don't know what everything is on the mind, <laughs> but we're going to go with half of the stuff that's on a CMO's mind in B2B. Um, you can see uh, who we've got stellar panel here, and a really interesting conversation around some of the B2B, big B2B uh, thinking that the, that our esteemed panelists are, are kind of working through at the moment. Um, so we're going to start with a. Um, I was going to. Cancel a little um, quick fire question, but Joe has beseeched that I basically do it, so I'm going to make her uncomfortable with the first questions and get ready, Joe. But before we get there, so there's a quick fire question, it's just on brand recall, top of mind. They don't know what's coming, they don't know the category, uh, but Wait for it. It's going to be good. Um, so, but before we do that, I just want to get it, we, we should set the scene uh, on just what is going on in your respective organisations. So I'll start with you, Joe, but give us a quick overview, each of you, uh, on the structure, the size and remit of your B2B marketing teams. Joe, obviously Commonwealth Bank, you have been there three months, I think, four, <laughs> come from Qantas. Um, good luck, Qantas Banking. We could spend an hour talking about that, but we won't. Um, B2B and your, uh, and your
1: team? Our B2B team, obviously Commonwealth Bank, quite a diverse customer set. We have uh, a team that looks after small business customers. We have a team that looks after our products that we serve to our customers. We have a team that looks after segments. Obviously, if you think in um, business land, there's lots of different segments, particularly in the smaller space. But obviously, as Commonwealth Bank, we go all the way up to the big end of town as well. So we also uh, have a team that looks after um, multinationals, large corporates, and institutional banking. Supporting those guys is the um, big marketing engine, so we've got brand, content, creative services, media, et cetera. It's a bit hard to put an exact number on the size of the B2B team because it's it's kind of quite matrixed. So it
0: ranges somewhere between 50 and 5,000? Sure. (laughs) Leandro, you're, you're, tell us your, um, how, how you're structured and, and the remit. Oh,
2: Sure, and are we messing up your slides here with the order here, Paul? Are you happy with that, or are you? Yeah, no, well, that's what I'm I just, <laughs> I'm I've given up. i have <laughs> given um, up, I'm
0: holding it loosely, Leandro. All
2: good, all good. So look, my team, so I look after Asia Pacific marketing at Salesforce, we do everything from brand awareness all the way to our campaigns. We do have all segments from ESMB to enterprise. I'd say we've got, it's again, a bit hard to, to measure, probably about 150 to 100 uh, marketers in the region, and, uh, yeah, there's some of the talented, most talented folks in uh, in the region, so really excited about having them,
0: some of them here. Yeah, and we will um, and we will get down into some of the things that you're all doing shortly. Um, Caroline, uh, your your team.
3: Yeah, so I look after ANZ and I suppose we're probably a little bit smaller than these bigger brands here, but, you know, we're certainly in this hyper-growth um, stage at the moment, which is very exciting. So we've got in country about 15 in the team and then um, broadly we've got, as anyone that works in a global marketing team, you seed people in ANZ, so we've got up to about 30. So a lot smaller, small and mighty, I would say.
0: Small and mighty. <laughs> and, 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 in fact, uh, in Cannes, um, one of the brands has talked, and I think Matt talked about it earlier, uh, the B2B brands that are sort of seen as the big stellar growth uh, emerging it was ServiceNow and it's an yeah. $80 billion market cap, I think. It's,
3: yeah, it's... we're bigger than Airbnb, Uber, oh. um, Alassian. We literally just overtook IBM last September, but that keeps going up and down. So yeah, I think we're certainly here to stay and yeah, we've got some pretty aggressive targets. That's yeah, amazing.
0: I mean, it's an under the radar play at the moment. I mean, yeah. we obviously know ServiceNow, but don't realise just the scale of it. Yeah. So, right. So there's, this, there's the context. Um, here comes the quick fire questions. I'm I'm going to start with Joe because she started this and made me do it. So I have we're gonna, no what I'm idea gonna what, do, what I've got oh, no, us into. Exactly. idea? I've cut it in half. We're going to ask you um, four questions, four categories, and I just need your, your the brand that comes first. And I'm going to go uh, Joe, Leandro, Caroline, and, and as quick as you can. Oh. So the, the first one's easy. Are you ready? This was easy. I've done this for you. I, warm me up. Lipstick. Oh. Uh, Revlon. Leandro, what lipstick do you... Oh, my God.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'll say my wife, um, Mecca or Sephora. That's... Okay, good. Love a bit of Dior. Dior, there we go. Okay. Uh, Joe, uh, Amber Heard or Johnny Depp? Johnny Depp. Okay, Leandro. Johnny <gasps> oh. Depp. Johnny Depp.
3: <laughs> I think I have to say Johnny as well.
0: Well, I'm definitely going with Johnny. because <laughs> All right. Uh, last one. Um... Electronic Document Signing Company.
3: No. You sign.
0: <laughs> uh, DocuSign. How can you
3: not say DocuSign after
0: <laughs> oh, the there you, case study? All great. right. So very quick. Thanks. No problem. There. Um, <clears throat> all good. <laughs> Right, let's um, let's get to market conditions. we we'll let's have a, a, a sort of a big picture look at what um, is going on in the, with these three organisations. I'm going to start with Joe because you've got a really interesting uh, observation, Joe, on what's going on uh, between consumer confidence, business confidence. So maybe the next six to twelve months, uh, what does it look like in a B2B context? And, and over to you.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's really unusual times because I think we're all a bit sick of hearing that, but um, we were having an interesting conversation only last week, Paul, about the weird market dynamics at the moment, and if you look at consumer confidence, we keep hearing every day that consumer confidence is slipping. We know that inflation is on the way up, we know interest rates, the RBA keeps raising interest rates, we know that um, wages growth is negative at the moment, so consumers aren't really feeling all that great at the moment, and the consumer confidence index uh, is lower than it's been for... I think you know the long-run average. It's lower than it's been for a really long time, and probably um, pre-pandemic pre-pan, you know, levels. It's like on par with about the GFC. So we know that consumer confidence is not great at the moment. Um, but then this really weird dynamic where business confidence is actually really high at the moment. Um, and if you look at um, the long-run average for business confidence, it's it's higher than it's been for quite some time. And, and you know, there's there's certain metrics that we look at, for example, the capacity utilisation, which is how busy a business is, whether a business is at its peak or not, and it's at a 25-year high at the moment. So there's this really unusual dynamic going on, and I think that's something that um, businesses are really trying to grapple with. Um, the reality is that, um, businesses, most businesses have actually passed on the increased costs to their consumers, which is probably why we're seeing this difference. Um, But that's not going to be sustainable. Um, So whether that will start to to shrink over time. So if we talk about the next 12 months for businesses, like everything's coming at them, right? We've got, you know, um, the the macroeconomic environment that we just spoke about. You've got the pandemic and COVID, which is still impacting a lot of businesses, particularly depending um, the industry you're in. We're even just talking about large industries and whether people are actually um, in the office as well. You've got geopolitical challenges, you know, the the cost of the challenges with supply chain, the cost of getting goods into the country. Um, You've got rapid pace of technological change. Like, geez, being a business at the moment is pretty confronting and challenging. So there's a lot going on. And I think it's great that the confidence index is high. I just hope it stays there.
0: And it's mm. the same, though, for small business. So it's not just large enterprise, what you're saying. The gap is, is holding b 2 A Small yeah. small business is actually up. Confidence
1: of small business is actually still really high, um, which as a marketer gets, like, it's a bit of a challenge, right? Like, are you going out with really positive yes, like things are good at the moment, messaging, or actually is it more like trying to respond to the tone of what consumers are feeling? I know we're talking li- um, later today about brand as well. How do you manage that dynamic mm, when you're a big mm. brand?
0: Caroline, for t- to you, um, your market conditions in the next six to 12 months, you were you saying earlier. The, the deals are slowing down in a, in a b2b yeah. context
3: so I think we thought it's interesting when you're saying that and I think we're starting to see some of that consumer confidence come into the business arena so we are seeing um, more people more approvers for deals so when you think about you know the multitude of decision makers that need to be a part of that I think we're starting to see more governance around that also I would say like just T E. like I, I I would say there's uh, more focus on that from a lot of companies say for example we're just looking at, we've got a suite at the F1 in Singapore, trying to get people to that has actually been quite interesting. So I think um, where, I mean, what the pandemic has showed us is that you don't have to travel all the time. You don't have to be there, you can, you know, zoom in, obviously not for an F1, but um,
0: I think- So you had some availability (laughs) this week at Formula One? Yeah. (laughs) We've got one if she doesn't. (laughs) So
3: So I think we are seeing um, more pressures on business and we probably will see more going forward.
0: Leandro, your take because um, you know you, you, we were talking earlier as well. You're looking at international and signals and sort of getting feeling that maybe a different read there. What's your sense on on, on this for the next? What does B two B look like uh, in the next 6, 12 months? Yeah, look, I think
2: uh, Joe and Caroline are right, but I just spent a week in Hawaii. We had a management offsite, but it was international, and so I I think we are a little bit behind still, what's happening already in the US and, and in Europe, so hearing from them, I think we uh, still haven't really felt the full impact of what is to come. Um, it's not all doom and gloom, but it's just, you know, the adjustments, so for example, yes, more buyers in, in all of the opportunities that we're seeing, more scrutiny, and then sort of a focus on productivity, reducing cost, um, you know, automation, things like that definitely are, are sort of what the CFO is looking at, and I know that was mentioned earlier as well. Um, but I think with that comes all the other changes. So, it's not just the businesses in terms, but it's also, like you said, the environment for ourselves, right? The humans that are around. So, I think uh, there's many, many changes. We haven't probably seen everything yet, but it's good to look a little bit beyond
0: Australia just to, to get a bit of a Your take Your sense of the signals coming. there are a little bit, there's a little bit more pragmatism to come.
2: Yeah, look, I think this is, uh, it's been a really great run probably for the last 10 to 12 years yeah. for most markets. But I think now there's a there's a definite change. But it's not like you need to throw out everything, right? That you've mm-hmm. done before. It's just a little bit more focus on costs,
0: like you mentioned T and E, and how we can be relevant as well as marketers. Yeah, it will be interesting on that too, because obviously you know Australia got really cushioned, um, didn't feel the pain of the GFC either, right? I mean, we everyone else was deep in pain, and we were sort of you know waltzing around like we we're Matilda. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, it would yeah. be a
1: fascinating time to be an economist, wouldn't it? it wouldn't I, be, I wonder yeah. whether we're going to be. I hope more, that we're going to be a little bit buffered as well.
0: I reckon they'll be, the economists will be more messed up than marketers. That's yeah, what I well. reckon. Um, <laughs> right, let's get to the next point, which is from from in regards to and linked to the market conditions, what's going on. This great big discussion from brand to demand. So what now, what's the mix? The pressure to generate revenue now as a result of conditions changing. Um, and Softening, will that test some of the the discussion and the examples we're seeing of, of B2B brands trying to play a longer game, build brand out, prime for those off-market, out-of-market customers, um, but the pressure internally might be actually bums on seats. Let's move something now, and so back down to the bottom of the funnel. So I'm really interested in um, you know does short-term uh, to all of you does short-term demand generation win for now, uh, and what would you like to do? versus what is likely that you will do Uh, and so with that Leandro to you first.
2: Look, I think we've been talking about business models quite a bit, today. So that's quite interesting from a marketing conference, actually. Look, we uh, at Salesforce invented the software as a service model, and so we don't think very much always in the immediate short term, because actually, most of our revenue is still yet to come that's already been committed, and I know that you have that it's model as well. <laughs> so, if actually our sellers sold nothing for the next 12 months, we would actually still be an extremely profitable company. But... Of course, no one wants to do that, right? Everyone wants to be a growth company. So I think what that gives us the ability to do is, of course, you want to look at for the now, you want to grow, but we don't have to be so knee-jerk in terms of reacting to do a complete pivot. And so we are taking a balanced approach at the moment. We are not pulling out of anything that we're doing. Uh, In fact, we're just looking at it again, like I said, making sure it's relevant, adjusting messaging, uh, ensuring that it will apply to the current economic environment, but there's no reason for any
0: rash decisions from our point of view. So budget, no change on budget? No. Um, so what is that budget, Leandro? I'm not telling you Okay. Right. <laughs> okay. But it's healthy. <laughs> <laughs> no growth in the budget for this F1, Not F-Y, answering though. that question. No, okay, but we're right, doing, right,
3: F-1. Okay. <laughs> okay.
2: F-1. And doing F1.
0: Can't fault me for trying. That's what I would say. Uh. Um, so in, in, in that short term, long term, it's the same. And what is that? But what is, what's the mix for you in that, you know, what, we, heard, we hear all the rules, the potential, the guidelines on what it could be, whether it's 60-40 or category, whatever it might be. What's your allocation there? Look, it's different. So You've my moved, role... You've right? You've gone brand building, though. Yeah. We,
2: we have. Um, and so my role is across APAC and not every market, like we mentioned, Carolyn, is the same. So Australia and New Zealand is quite a mature market, uh, Thailand and Indonesia are not. And so, every market takes a different approach. Um, In Australia and New Zealand, where we have high penetration with customers, brand building is important because actually we have multiple solutions. We acquired Slack, we acquired Tableau, we acquired MuleSoft, and these are brands that maybe people don't know are affiliated with Salesforce. So, it's important for us to continue that work. In other markets where you know, we're just launching, like in Indonesia or Vietnam, it's, it's really important that we do look at the bottom of the funnel and get some of those sellers off the ground. So um, it's not the same across all of us. Take a different mix in every country.
0: Caroline, your, your take on this you know, long-term, short-term, now, bottom of the funnel, top of the funnel, let's go.
3: Yeah, so I think very similar, um, the way we work as a business is, you know, we're building pipe now for next year. So, and that is the role of marketing. We're out ahead and we should be driving that. Of course, if there's deals stuck in the pipeline, we should be looking at, you know, uh, initiatives about how we can progress that and help the sales teams. But first and foremost, yeah, a balanced approach. But I do want, I think we've got some lessons here. We've been here, you mentioned about the GFC, you've mentioned about, you know, even the pandemic. We've all learnt things from that period of time, and I think the one thing is around, let's double down around brand. Don't just cost cut and pull it out. We have to be there and have uh, and stay the course, and just make sure, for me, it's probably doubling down on brand, <coughs> continuing to be there at digital, and just taking a really data-driven approach and meet the customers where they are, because they are all going to be at different stages and make sure we know them and we're um, there where they are.
0: We'll get to some of the other points, yeah. but are you feeling pressure, though, from further up to to, uh, to change your mix or to deliver something to uh, – we, we get in danger of getting to the sales conversation too early on yeah. this one, because um, we will get there. But
3: So I think um, when we've talked about the challenges, I think one of the things is also challenge means opportunity. So for us as a business and a technology business, this is actually a pretty exciting time for us. So automation and how do we make things more effective and efficient? You know, How do we automate small tasks for the CHRO or the CMO? Like, that is... So, I see us as we are actually really in a prime to take right. advantage of this opportunity at the moment and we'll just keep delivering hyper-growth. Jo, your, your sense on, um, you know, the mix?
1: Yeah, so I think um, both of my esteemed panellists have said it very well, so I won't labour the point. Brand versus demand, I think you have to do both. You can't lose sight of both. I think in, our, in a world where... Um, Budgets might be constrained or you have questions and you're really trying to, it's all about optimising your budget, right? It's about making every single dollar work harder. Um, And in a really diverse organisation like ours where you've got lots of different stakeholders competing all for marketing dollars, it's really about thinking, yes, both brand and demand, but where is it best spent? And how do you continue to um, invest the right amount in those media dollars and optimise those media dollars so that you're driving the ultimate outcomes for both brand and demand?
0: So you, you're all going to hold on your mix, whether it's good times and growth or there is uncertainty. And there's nothing changing here. So, what's your budget, by the way, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> One
1: million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm too new to know, is that right, no? <laughs> no, not to share, no? Um, I, again, brand and like not going to change that mix. Where we're actually looking at what the mix is, is what are the right products, services, things to communicate to customers in the current environment. So the ability to flex within, within the marketing messages, but actually not losing sight of brand versus okay, a so you, split.
2: Can I piggyback yeah. on that? I, I think you mentioned it well, In times like this, it's also an opportunity. So if you feel like you have a compelling offer or product, this is also a time to take advantage and reap the rewards of that. So to your point of changing mixes, and if you think that you are on the right path and you also feel like you have the right product, this could be a time to actually grow
0: market share. so. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So we, we talked about mixes and, and, and metrics. We're about to go there. I want to ask you all on the 95.5 rule. Do you buy it? Do you apply it? And you know, I'm sure most of you are across 95.5. But if you don't, Ehrenberg Bass, be careful what you say because the professor's here. You're going to get right. in deep trouble. <laughs> um, but 95.5 is essentially what um, you know. You know what we saw, what we heard this morning from Derek about most of your market is out of market, and most of your customers are out of market to buy at any one time. So priming having them ready for when that decision is made. You know the rule broadly is 95. five 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 percent Are actually in market at any one time, depending on the category. So, Joe, do you buy 95.5? Do you apply 95.5?
1: Definitely by the principle. I don't know if the percentage ratio of 95.5 is universal. I think it's really different for each category, industry. You know, all of all of the, and also audience, right? Like if you think about a business, a small business might have a much higher purchasing cycle than an enterprise, which might only change its, you know, their relationships with you every five or ten years, right? And go through a very different procurement process. So I definitely buy the principle that not all of your customers are in market at any one time, you absolutely have to spend brand dollars for that future priming of customers. Um, but I just challenge whether it's the ratio is exactly right.
0: So, so you know whatever sector, whether it was you know aviation before or banking now, yep. w- what's the number or ratio that you're more comfortable with for those categories?
1: Oh, so you're putting me on the spot there. <laughs> Don't
0: want I, it. No. No, okay. No. It's a bit like budget. Shut up,
3: yeah. Paul. Okay, right. <laughs> yeah. um,
0: Leandro. Look, I, I agree. I think the
2: principle makes sense. Um, and I know the earlier presentation said that people don't like to change. I must be one of those weird people that really likes to go against the status <laughs> quo, and I do like change. Um, look, I think the, the rule that I would say breaks it is it assumes it's a zero-sum game. So anyone, does anyone have children? Here? Yes, Has anyone been to like a gift shop at any you know, entertainment, Disneyland or anything? I have zero idea of going to buy something, right? <laughs> but most of the time when I've left there, I've bought something. So I was not in the market for a fluffy toy, but I left with a fluffy toy. Right. And so I think that sometimes we assume that we can't change people's mind, even if they don't think they need something. Yeah. And this is that opportunity right now where every company should be digitally transforming. Right. They, I, I, and even at Salesforce, we have things that we can improve and just showing someone that there is a better way, especially in times like now where they need to do more with less, kind of goes against it. So while I agree with the principle, it also if I'm a great marketer, I think I can change someone's mind and bring them into the market with the right messaging.
0: Right, and that's, that's consistent in that there's always exceptions to the rule and you're yeah. obviously one of them, Leandro. <laughs> I like to yeah, be, yeah, but, right. you know, but, but I think you have to think like that all the time. Yeah, no fair. Yeah. Car- Caroline? Caroline?
3: Uh, yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I think, you know, in B2B, we have deal cycles. So I suppose, you know, that really determines, I suppose, the statistics around the people are out of market. But our role here is around how do we influence them during that time and how do we educate them, not to sell. How do we really take the time to teach them and educate them? I think that's the opportunity.
0: Yeah, great. I think it does lead you, you can stay right there Ooh, and hold right. that thought because it does get us to this B2B customer journey and how yep. it's changing, right? So you talk about Um, 17%, and I'm not sure where the figure comes from, but it's from you, so it's trustworthy. 17% of buyer time is now spent with potential suppliers, and that's collapsed. It used to be four, four times that. Three times yeah, that. so
3: I think um, this one's from Gartner and I suppose all of you are very familiar with this statistic, but it's something I talk to our sales teams and executive teams all the time about. Marketing's role here is so much more important um, than what we possibly perceive it as. So we are about you know, driving the brand demand and then really only 17% of that um, B2B customer journey is around when the customers are looking at certain vendors and ascertaining it and then they say 5% is when they get down to that one vendor and how to spend the time. So I think about 80% of the time is what we're covering. We're, it, we have such a huge role here in opportunity in marketing now. It's not just about sellers leading the discussion. We lead this discussion now and, you know, how do we help them then sell? So it, the dynamic has really changed and I think it's about taking everybody on that journey.
0: H- how do you go with that conversation with sales teams? They, <laughs> Some of the
3: old guys, yeah, they <laughs> don't really like it very much. <laughs> But I think, you know, we all see digital selling and, and the importance of that. Like, every, everything in, is always evolving in marketing. I don't know about you, constantly learning something new, constantly something's coming up. So, it's about just keeping at that cutting edge and making sure you're communicating and sharing that with, and sharing the strategy as you move forward with the teams.
0: Yeah, Andrew, I think you talk about the, you know, the customer journey being a committee journey now. We <laughs> heard a little bit of it um, up here at one point on, on stage. Um, more people in the purchasing process, yes. uh, and more touches in the journey. So, talk us through what that you know. Give us an example of that for Salesforce and what you what you mean. Look, we we probably and
2: are sharing obviously here candidly, there's now deals that previously would have just been secured by the head of a function that now might even need to go to a board, mm. right? And if you're a seller, not that we've got many sellers here, but you don't you need to you need to think about that. And then that's different material, different presentations you need to have, and that and they take a long time. Board meetings aren't every other week, right? So for us, it means in marketing that we need to be constantly keeping folks warm, right? And that's our job. More than just planting the seed and creating the opportunity is how do we continually engage? And so that might be F1, (laughs) got to be careful with ethics on that one. But uh, any executive engagement for sure is an activity that's really important, events like this people bring together, connecting them with other thought leaders, making sure they've got the right material. Uh, Like a CFO might look at a business case and say, that's great for accounting team, but what does that mean for the bottom line for the business? Mm. So I think our role, like you mentioned, is more and more uh, important, more strategic, mm. which is great, great for marketing, right? We want to sit at the table and we really want to help businesses continue to grow. How's
0: the intersection with sales for you going? Is it changing the dynamics there of, I mean, what Caroline talked about, less buyer time for, time spent on that. What's happening with, your, with the role of sales and the role of marketing and how that sort of interconnects? Look,
2: it's the most important relationship we have in B2B. Um, I think... Most of our sellers want to do the most productive work. So if we can do anything that takes away time, that they don't, you know, that menial tasks, so they can focus on high value output, they actually appreciate that. Um, So anything we can do to help there, our website's a huge part of that. We launched Salesforce Plus, which is an educational kind of channel where people can learn about all sorts of how to implement Salesforce, so they're not spending time doing that. So any tools we can give them to improve. Um, In terms of how it's going, I think in times like this, especially if people feel stressed, Um, they're going to look to their closest stakeholder and that's probably the one time that you want to make sure you've got a good relationship (laughs) because that's when they may throw you under the bus if you're not doing a good job. So, uh, you know, my advice to all marketers there is that is your most important relationship. Make sure that
0: they understand what you're doing and why you're doing it and are are bought into that plan. Just on that though, the the customer journey for you, you you talk about uh, Salesforce becoming a media or a publisher. (coughs) Um, Content is a really important part of the customer journey, and, and going back to the committee stuff, you say, you know, at one point, if someone downloaded a white paper, you go, great, all right, this is the lead, and actually that's one of six leads, so content, publishing, media, talk us through how that's working, because it's a big change for you.
2: No, absolutely. So we're preparing for the cookieless future, where we understand that you're not going to necessarily know and be able to purchase some of that that data. You're going to need your own first-party data. So our concept is that we want people to we want to welcome them in, and we want them to give value to in everything that we're we're providing them, and build that out. Whether it's a website, whether it is on LinkedIn, whether it's any of those channels. I think at the end of the day though, that journey is to your point growing. So in the past, you know, a rep might say, well, how many leads did you get me at a booth so I can go and call them today? Right, right. That's not the, and in fact, they want to say, well, how many do you have? And then what's the conversion down straight to ACV or you know, we call it uh, contract value. It's not that like that anymore. So it's an education with sales to make them understand. Um, but it also means our job is getting way harder, mm. right? And so previously before, it might have been okay to throw up a video for Khan, but now you need <laughs> to have uh, data science skills. You
0: need to understand that that mix. Um, and it's both right brain and left brain. Joe, um, for you, thoughts on what, what, what Caroline and Leandra have been talking about? And um, we got some thoughts on small business marketing too.
1: Yeah, so um, we have from a relationship point of view, um, we have very deep relationships with our customers, um, whether that's physical or digital. If you think, you know, people use their banking as a utility up to six, seven, eight times a day, and if you're a small business, um, you you know, it's sometimes a lot more than that as well. So we have um, very deep relationships. We know also the importance of those relationships, particularly as we um, move up to some of the larger clients as well. Uh, I think, you know, we're talking about the relationship side of things and customer experience. I think where the real um, the real benefit is is in providing really great customer experience for customers. Sorry, that was a bit <laughs> wordy. Um, but by what I mean there is actually um, we keep hearing from our customers. I'm incredibly time for make it frictionless, seamless, make it easy for me. And I think if you can design experiences like that for your customers, that's what's going to keep them coming back. In terms of marketing to them, um, so I've shared this with you before, um, that I actually think uh, there whilst people at the top end of town it's a lot more about relationships and brand side of peace, I think actually with small businesses there's still, I don't think anyone's doing small business marketing um, at the level that we could in this country and that's the challenge that I throw out to everybody here. It's really different to consumer marketing where in consumer marketing um, a lot of businesses have incredible databases, right? They've got first party data and they Um, it's it's a lot easier to access um, or at least know who your consumers are. And where I think with small business, there's no, and maybe this is a solution that LinkedIn can come to the party uh, with us for, but there's no real small business database in this country. You can't identify if somebody's a small business. People don't register themselves or rarely register themselves as a small business. And yet a lot of big organisations and and mid sized organisations are trying to, to attract and retain small businesses. So I feel like there could be an opportunity Between um, some big organisations to actually come together and figure out a better way to market to small businesses. Because, actually, let's be honest, if you truly walk in your customers' shoes and you're a small business, you're so incredibly time poor and you just want people who make your lives easier. You don't want to be sifting through their marketing, you don't want to be sifting through their salespeople. You actually just want um, practical solutions and services and products that can literally unlock your. Um, challenges and enable you to actually get on with doing um, what your job is and, and making your company a success. So I feel like, geez, if we could all come together and come up with a better way to market to small businesses, that would be Nirvana.
0: Not dissimilar then really to an alliance of what you've done in your in a previous life with, with loyalty partners and stuff though, but a brand alliance, a partner of an alliance of people sort of talking to the same customer base.
1: Yeah, so um, a coalition of businesses coming together to provide uh, loyalty to Australian small businesses could be one way you could unlock it. There we go. With a currency on it.
0: (laughs) Hatched on stage, LinkedIn, how's that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, there we go, there we go. But I do think actually um, LinkedIn are probably one of the few real databases in this country where we truly know who the small businesses are and can help and can help unlock that, that connectivity to small businesses. At
0: ComBank you have something like, is it 400000 You have a lot, what? right? We have a lot. A lot, a lot, there we go. <laughs> we have yes. a, lot. a bit but like your budget, all, it's enough.
1: All walks of life, right? We've got sole operators, we've got um, you know people who are in, you think of any industry, if you literally take a slice of um, businesses in Australia, of Australian businesses, that would mirror up to the, the customer base we've got. So it's Just really diverse. I know you're four
0: months in, but how are you doing doing it now for small business. Like what what are you doing now that's not good enough?
1: Oh, well, I would, so I, I think I, I think that? our team are there here. Wave. <laughs>
0: They're doing they do an incredible do job.
1: <laughs> no, I think they're doing an incredible job. But do I think it's really hard to um, acquire new small businesses? Do I think it's really hard to know exactly who to to target and communicate? I think yes, it is. I don't think you know we have a yellow pages for small businesses in Australia. Mm. Um, so I think you know we, we have a range. We we do everything from brand marketing. We do highly personalised, um, lots of sophisticated um, targeting of customers. We do really um, sophisticated attempts to actually attract new businesses. We also do events. We do a lot of content, we do a lot of education. We um, aim to be a trusted advisor for all businesses in this country, particularly as they're going through the current macroeconomic situation. Um, We do local area activity, like we do it all, but do I still think there's room for us to do better? Yes.
0: Mm. And I've just looked at the clock. Some time ago, there was 12 minutes and now there's not, so we better get cracking. Um, Events. Because
1: marketers love to talk. (laughs) Yes, well, and so
0: far it's good shit, so well done. Um, (laughs) Events, Um, look, this is a big thing. We've got one uh, on right now and people love it, and Leandro, you know, Salesforce has been big on events. Um, what's changed since COVID? Is it changed forever? What's working now for you? And, um, and then we've got to get onto the talent conversation in keep going, go. So, uh, it's funny. Sometimes people think Salesforce is an events company that sells software on the side,
2: but right. um, <laughs> that's just uh kudos to the marketing team. But uh, look, <laughs> We've done it, like actually when I came, so I was working in San Francisco up until 2020 and I landed and uh, within two weeks COVID happened and we had to, you know, shut down Mm. everything. And we had a world tour planned in Sydney, which was a 10,000 in person uh, event. And in 10 days, we had to pivot that to a fully digital event. Now, we used to have a digital strategy, which was have a camera in the room and hope people were watching it online, but we actually had to convert that to make it a true digital experience. Happy to report we had 80,000 viewers, which was much more than we'd planned for, and everyone in the US was like, amazing, what do you guys do? And like, I'll tell you after we recover. It was, it was, it was right. a big experience, right? But I think since then, we've been pivoting and trying new things. So we tried series, we tried one-off events, uh, and now this year we brought it back in person here locally in Sydney. We've also taken it across the region. And in 33 days, not counting, we have Dreamforce, our big event in San Francisco, which is our largest event um, of the calendar year. So. We've done everything there. We've learnt a lot, um, so now we try to do both uh, in-person connections like this, which is just so important. Uh, travel budgets, though, aren't what they used to be. So maybe you can attest from that on the contest days. Um, so you know you have to work out for that market who you're trying to reach. If you're trying to reach people in Perth and they're not willing to travel to Sydney, then maybe you have to a- have an activation there. Uh, you might be able to do- get them with a sort of a pan-Australia digital strategy, but it may not get them in because there you know lots of options these days in terms of what you watch. So it's just a continual
0: understanding of what people want and uh, adapting to it. Uh, There's so much to explore, but we've got two and a half minutes. Uh, Caroline, (laughs) your your take on events, and then we're gonna get to talent, because we've gotta get to talent.
3: Um, I think we've had a similar experience, but I think events like this, everybody loves them. How good is it to be together? It's so nice, and I think there's always gonna be the power of that. We've been through lots of different machinations of how to do it, but I think the one thing I always take out of it at the moment of events, you've gotta have a plan B. (laughs) Don't know what's around the corner. People are sick. There's lots of different kind of nuances at the moment. So as a team, we always think, what's the plan B? Mm.
0: But as, as, a, you know, as a catalyst for the sales teams and for leads, well, they love it. so like what, what, happens, what happens there? Because that's changed a lot. Does it still become an important
3: So um, I think our sales teams love events the most and that's what they always ask for the most and I'm sure any B2B marketer understands that. But yeah, there's lots of value um, and I think this is the education of the sales teams. There's lots of things like intent marketing (coughs) and data and digital that really actually can offer even more value to them to give them a qualified lead.
0: Okay, we have one minute 56 and we've got to get to talent. I would start with you, Caroline, because you, after a, um, a LinkedIn roundtable we did a few months back, where we were saying, well, the, the marketing roundtable was saying, talent shortage, B2B marketers, we've got to try and get B2C in mm. to broaden the pool. You said, you know, you got to... give it a crack. ...give it a crack. You <laughs> a crack. go, right, I'm going to try and get these B2C strangers in uh, in the fold. What happened?
3: So I think, uh, like from all the discussions today, how important brand is in storytelling, and we've got lots to learn from our B2C um, colleagues. Um, however, I did kind of go out to the market and I was thinking, hey, let's go and try and get a diverse set of skills in the team and try and broaden out. I didn't have as much luck as I would hope, I would say. So I think you know there's still some um, restrictions on people's understanding and capabilities around Um, you know, how the lead process works and how to, you know, apply analytics, which I think are the future of marketing. Um, So I did go with a B2B marketer in just the last um, interview round just recently. But I would like, I suppose this is probably a call out like Joe to the community and to the associations in our industry. I think there's a gap here. I think we need to ask... Um, for extra help and uh, education in the industry about how we can bridge the gap between B2B and B2C, what I'd like to see is everybody be marketers. And we all have those great skill sets around brand and storytelling and analytics. Hey, we'll all have you know, pros and cons and strengths and weaknesses, but we do need to bridge this. Joe, any soundbites?
1: Uh, I would say that um, we need to not pigeonhole. Pe- we need to lead by example as you are doing, and not pigeonhole people as B two B marketers or B two C marketers. I think all um, marketers, a bit like we've seen marketers, some of our talent shortage is marketers going into product and digital, and you know all of these very similar, um, or where your skills are transferable. So I think we've got a job to do um, to continue to make marketing attractive mm. to all marketers.
0: And Leandro, you've got two seconds now <laughs> to talk about um, glo- you know the, the, the signals you're seeing coming globally. We'll have to keep tight because I'm going to get in a lot of trouble, but I'm taking a hit for you. Um, um, uh, Thanks, Paul. (laughs) Uh, Just quickly on that, I will say I was not a marketer by design. I was actually
2: a computer scientist. Um,
0: We all have problems. We
2: we can take people from all walks of life as long as they have the right attitude and skills. Um, So your question, though, globally. Look, I think we were talking about this earlier. We've had it pretty good as employees for a long time. And I'm seeing a lot of complacency, I think, where people think that it's on the employer to, um, to you know, sort of come down to every whim. Right. And I think it's always important, I like to add value to the business. And so I think it's really important that people understand that maybe one day the swing pendulum is your way, but the other day it may not be. And I'm looking at sort of the US, you know, there's a lot of companies right now, touch wood, not us, but um, many companies that are sort of shortening. So Apple, I think today just sort of let off many recruiters because they're not you know, anticipating they're going to be high. So I think it's just important to always be sharp and be looking at what you can offer
0: to a business. And there is a sentiment swing going on in yes. terms of what you may expect from your employment um, deals and moves in you the coming work, months. Office, workplace, right. all those things, yes. We have to go because um, we have some uh, another steam panel coming, but put your hands together for the panel and um, <laughs> prove. Thank you. This MI3 audio edition was presented by Paul McIntyre, that's more. Producer Nick Slater, music by Matt Dwyer.